0: Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier.
1: My lovely co-host, Martha Laughman. Thanks for joining us today. We have two guests. Uh, we brought on Doug Britton, who is the founder of Haystack Solutions. And also he has brought with him one of his test case, Maria Marquez, who is a student graduate, very impressive from the University of North Georgia, and also in August going to the Citadel in uh, South Carolina for a Master's in Computer Information Sciences. So definitely we're impressed by you, Maria. And Doug, we'll let you kind of give, uh, I'll turn it over to Martha to kind of walk through, introduction to Doug here.
2: Yeah, um, maybe I'll just give a little bit of context uh, as to why I fell in um, with Doug's organization. Um, I am, of course, a workforce development professional, and um, one of the big dilemmas out there is how do we, if, if, say, a student is going to start cybersecurity training, how do we know they're going to be successful and complete it, right? There's a lot of um, wasted funds that go out there and a high attrition rate in technical training. And then on the other side of things, you know, as an industry, we're really trying to get um new people and diverse populations excited about cybersecurity and we don't have a way of showing them, hey, you know, you could have a high aptitude and be really interested in this. So using, you know, psychometrics as a avenue of getting people interested into cybersecurity and being able to predict who um would be successful is always a hot topic at every conference I've been to for years. And so insert Doug um and Haystack Solutions, um I met them when trying to figure out a solution for my own organization, Smoothstack. Um, so Doug, welcome um, to the show and thank you so much for being here.
3: Oh, thank you very much for having me, Martha. Your organization has been a pleasure to work with. Um, it's been exciting. You know, you guys are right where the rubber meets the road and helping helping bring uh, new people into the profession. So it, it's been a joy uh, to work with you and your team. Um, no, and, and so, haystacks, you know, We're we're excited uh, to help again expand um, who's a part of the profession because there are a lot more people out there that could be a part of it but are intimidated by it, don't have background in it, and they think they think uh, you know I don't belong. But that you know the needs um, the the risks of not doing anything are so acute that you know the way we look at it, everyone who can be in the fight needs to be in the fight, and we need to find them wherever they are. So. At Haystacks, we um, licensed some technology from the University of Maryland that was built for the NSA, um, the Navy, Air Force, and SOCOM that was designed to help the services find who amongst their ranks could excel in the cyber professions um, before they knew anything about cyber. Uh, so, so Haysex is the exclusive commercial licensee of that work and we're, we're now getting it out in market and having some really exciting success with it. So, so thank you. We're, we're excited to get to share it.
2: So you're saying that your tool that you have, CATA was originally used as a way of evaluating soldiers aptitude, um, to retool them from what they were doing into cyber careers.
3: Exactly. So it's being looked at in two ways. One, how to retool, um, either as their, uh, you know, it hit a mid-career point and maybe they're going to go officer and they want to transition from being infantry into maybe a cyber officer career path. But also at the uh, entrance processing stations, when someone is being recruited in this, like the other tests they would take, this could be a a filtering test for, oh, wait, you know, instead of being a cook, you should be, you know, a security operations center um, operator.
2: Interesting. Um, and so that's, I guess, the use case, if you will, for military. How are you applying this um, t- to non-military?
3: No, great, great question. Thank you. So what we're focusing on is the two two different populations. One is hiring managers who are inundated with resumes and trying to separate signal from noise. Um, and I, I'm trying to Pull in, you know, an early career, mid career, even even senior career professionals. I'm getting a lot of resumes, and and people are presenting credentials and certifications. Those are, you know, not everybody has a lot of confidence in those. So how do they how do they figure out who should I spend my team's time interviewing? And we're able to help them uh, sort through those incoming candidates, you know, extremely quickly and. You know at a much lower cost than having you know um hr professionals you know scan through everything um so that's that's been extremely effective um people are enjoying that and then we're also working with managers uh, you know commercial facing managers who want to look at their their population and do some upskilling so if they have maybe uh, a lot of i.t professionals and they need to figure out who amongst their i.t professionals or or other aspects of their employment body. Who can I get into my cyber ranks? If I'm down 20 people or 30 people, it's probably more cost-effective to, to retrain some of my IT team. So how do they make sure that that retraining is not a gamble with corporate profits, but instead a highly focused um, professional project? And we give those managers you know, confidence that you know this person is going to excel in training this person is going to to crush it and then when they see the results you know they're extremely excited
1: interesting so we are going to take a break here from our sponsors and come right back uh, to talk to doug and maria some more
0: Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise unchangeable time sequenced blockchain data provides next generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting Blockframe at www.blockframetech.com.
2: We're back with Doug Britton. So Doug, can you, you know, let's take a little bit of a step back and tell us why, how did you get into this position? Like how, what is your evolution?
3: Uh, so, I've been entrepreneuring for about the last ten years, and uh, I've done it with enough success that my my wife considers it my actual job and not just this thing I say I do. Um, and uh, before that, I was in Lockheed, where I was on the uh, the break into stuff side of of the cyber world. And there's one constant in all of my time in cyber, and it's that finding talent is a brutal knife fight. It's mm-hmm. and it's it's a horrible, horrible struggle. And um, it takes a lot of effort, and there's no predictability in your success in finding talent. So it's always been in the back of my mind that there has to be a better way. We need to be able to expand the tent. And so, um, you know, when I saw uh, the opportunity of the technology that uh, the University of Maryland had, had invented, I was like, the market needs this, and, and I can get it there. And so... Um, that's what you know, and it's a couple of interactions around that, or how I met you know the the University of North Georgia team and, and and Maria.
2: So tell us about so introduce Maria. Why 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 is Maria here with us today, and, and what um, was her experience with CATA?
3: Great, I'll 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 set that framework, and then um, so Maria's here uh, because she's a part of the uh, the Cyberhawks uh, com- uh, competition club at the University of North Georgia. And they were one of the early groups that helped me put some commercial spin, non-military spin, on the testing of the technology. And the results that University of North Georgia achieved were stunning beyond beyond anything that we could have predicted. And, and Maria has been as a part of that team for the last several years, and has been one of their you know exciting competitors that has really done some neat things with it. And has didn't actually intend to go into cybersecurity, but this but this helped. Get her and, and a lot of other colleagues there. So I thought, you know, uh, she could offer a, a unique perspective uh, from her own um, voice on, on how this can help an organization.
2: So Maria, um, tell us a little bit about what were you doing at the University of North Georgia, um, and um, how did you get introduced to CATA, and and where did that lead you?
4: Yeah, so I started at the University of North Georgia as a IS major. I wasn't originally planning into going to cybersecurity. It wasn't until I met my advisor who started talking to me about cybersecurity and the Cyberhawks Club, or the cybersecurity club there um, at the University of North Georgia. So I decided to give it a go. I actually just started by just joining the club before switching majors. And then I actually got introduced to CADA. They told us about this exam. And it would give us a good idea as to what our strengths or what our weaknesses would be if we were to decide to go into a career in cybersecurity. So that's when I decided to take the test. And once I took it, I was like, okay, maybe I can do something in cybersecurity. And that's when I actually switched my major officially over to cybersecurity.
2: And have you found success? Yes, I would
4: <laughs> say so, so far.
2: <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about that. Like what what has your team done um. what has your journey been like?
4: Yeah, so as soon as I took the CAT, I actually started um, competing in cyber competitions at UNG. One of the main was, ones was the NSA Codebreaker Challenge, which uh, UNG did end up placing first. And I was one of the few students um, in the nation, I think there were a total of 50, uh, to complete all seven NSA challenges because they're that difficult. Um, so honestly, had it not been for Kata, I don't think I would have realized what my strengths were and see how to do better in like those tests. Um, aside from that, I did do additional cyber competitions and it just like, it helped me see what my, what I should focus on to grow better in my cyber career and what I was like, okay, this is something that I'm comfortable with. Now I'll try and do something that I'm not so comfortable with.
1: Mm -hmm. How well do you think that the kata compared to what you've experienced afterwards? I mean, give us some maybe examples that they asked this in kata and it's directly related in this area.
4: Yeah, so one of the uh, kata examples that I'll give is like, there was one that was kind of like memory. And I realized I already knew I was terrible at memory. (laughs) Uh, So I knew I was going to have issues. So whenever it came to like cyber competitions, I knew I had to have like stuff written down because otherwise I'll forget, especially if it was really important. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I have to have these things written down so that I know, so that I can further myself in those competitions.
2: For That's example. interesting. So it not only helped you see where you have aptitude, but it helped you to see what areas you may have to have, um, some buffer in or some, some, some alternate extra.
1: backup plan. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I am curious though. Um, You know, why did a career in cybersecurity not occur to you before? So,
4: if I'm being honest, when I was in high school, I considered computer science as a career. When I was going to join, I heard about how difficult computer science is and how difficult it is to code, and had never done coding. So, it just scared me. And I just decided to go to information systems because it was similar, but it didn't require all the coding. And then also the cybersecurity degree wasn't offered when I first joined UNG. So it wasn't a degree that was available. Um, After I took the CATA exam, I was also taking a computer science one class And I actually did really good in that class, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I was wrong this whole time, and maybe cybersecurity or computer science is a career field for me to go into.
2: Did any of your friends, were they interested in coding or cybersecurity in high school? Was this something that you had in your group at all?
4: No, not at all. I was actually the only one,
2: so (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Interesting.
1: Interesting. So we're going to take a break here from our sponsor. When we come back, we want to hear from Doug more about you know what it is, if you could break down the things you're asking in this test and, and what cognitive abilities you're looking for. Very curious. Be right back.
0: Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise unchangeable time sequenced blockchain data provides next generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting Blockframe at www.blockframetech.com.
1: Welcome back. We're talking to Doug Britton, uh, the founder of Haystack. And before the break, we also heard from Maria Marquez, a student that has gone through uh, taking the test and been successful and change their degree. Um, so, Doug, bringing it back to you, we want to give us some some basics about what it is. Let's uncover the, lift up the hood and look under the engine. What is it that you're looking for, and in cognitive abilities and everything, and how does that relate to the cybersecurity profession? If you could just kind of unpack that a little bit.
3: Yeah, sure thing. No, I, I really appreciate it. So, what we're what we're really focusing on is what are the common cognitive elements among the the myriad of cyber professions? So, um, you know, according to the NICE framework, there's like 53 different jobs that it tries to wrap up. And so how do you put a common, what Tata tries to do is put a, a common cognitive framework around that entire space. So the scientific team at the University of Maryland, what they did was focused on the parts of the brain that light up when experts are practitioners in in these various professions. And they boiled that down to the, the least common set that was kind of most predictive of, you know, again, we'll get into, you know, concepts of visual working memory, rule induction, attention capacity. These ended up being the most predictive. And what they developed was um, a framework that when you when you look at it on a chart, it looks kind of like a compass rose with with north-south you know uh being you know your ability to initiate action you know your 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 ability to essentially you can think of it as kick down a door are you the person who can take the first action and the in in the south direction would be your cognitive ability at responding to somebody initiating action so are you the person who kicks down the door or are you the person that's on the other side of the door knowing that someone's going to kick it down you just don't know when and Then on our our east-west, we have a a different set of cognitive muscles, and it's your ability to make decisions with limited information versus postponed decision-making until you have all of the information. And it turns out those the the cyber professions as a body need both types of decision-making. They're just appropriate for different roles at different times. And so if you happen to be strong in what we call real-time decision-making, which is you know, decisions with imperfect information, where you might have 30 seconds or a couple of minutes to figure something out and resolve conflicting information intuitively or without being able to reference many people, that's, that, you know, tends to suit you more for being in a real-time operations, either attacker or defender. Whereas when you might be looking at um, a forensics person, typically had more time to make a decision. They will go and do, you know, maybe weeks or months long uh, data gathering, and they're able to uh, deliberately not make a decision until uh, the, a sufficient body of data has come together.
1: Mm-hmm. And and you said there was some. I think I heard you say before there were some speeds and things of how how well we operate performance wise that are assessed as well. Can you explain those? It,
3: yeah. So psychomotor speed is testing your ability to connect you know, um, a computation your brain has made with uh, translating that into the keyboard response. And so one of the tests has to do with the ability to uh, take your standard Arabic digits of zero to nine um, and see them presented in an alternative encoding of random symbols. And are you then able to take those random symbols and turn them back into Arabic digits in Mm -hmm. less than two minutes?
2: Isn't decision-making and speed um, something that can be taught? Like, as you were speaking, I was, you know, visualizing like a poker table, right? And when I'm watching poker on TV and I see these experts that recognize the same patterns over and over and over again, based on what cards are laid down the table, they instantly know what it is they want to do, right? So, exactly. Do you think that that's yeah. something that can be taught and it's just about pattern recognition? Or do you really think that there's a, an aptitude or both?
3: No, there's it's absolutely both. Um, so, you know, do you have, so what your, the, the complete chain that you're, um, describing has some attention to, uh, details around attention capacity. Are you, your, your poker counterparty is never going to say, Hey, I'm tipping you off now. They're going to just play their game and your brain is going to have to interpret all of that signal and go, wait, that was different or that was different mm-hmm. and your ability to maintain that focus do rule induction test this stream of information for what's different and then have the confidence to act on that rule and then test it and go back that's that, that's a part of the body of practice and that's part one of the uh tests statistical <laughs> learning is is that test in particular actually
1: what do you, what do you do for? I mean, they, I've had people that are good at things, but they don't enjoy doing it. Is there anything in the test that says, you know, yeah, we're testing to see what they're good at these skills? But would you like to be in this situation that usually the people from this type of industry, your job, do? You know, that's
3: actually that's a really great question, and and actually it's it's a lot of fun because frankly, what we found is that most people who do well on the test actually really enjoy it. They find the test really interesting. They find these types of problems really interesting. Uh, and I, I'll actually, you know, ask, um, I'll, I'll give a little bit more example and ask Maria, you know, as, as someone who's, who's done it. But what we've found is that, you know, people who do, who do excel in these, these are the types of problems that your brain is gonna be spending all day on anyway. And if you don't like this, then that's a strong predictor that this isn't the field for you. In fact, Admiral Jan Tai, who was the then commander of uh, the Navy's 10th Fleet, the chief reason, she was one of the original sponsors of the work when she was at the Navy, um, and she's now an advisor to the company. And one of the original impetus for the work was to increase retention of uh, seamen. And what they realized was that by getting people into the, the right profession, they wanted to just keep doing it. So it's your question gets right at one of the key motivations to the work, which is, you know, if you're going to find this interesting and if you don't find this interesting, that's fantastic to know. But so I'll, you know, Maria, I mean, what was, what was your response?
4: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I definitely found that I like cyber and that's why I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go into the the degree or not in the first place, but I agree. It showed that I was good at it, and I have enjoyed it really well. And because it was so much problem solving, that's exactly what a bunch of cybersecurity is. It's a bunch of problem solving. So I agree, it does translate really well into the technical aspect of cybersecurity.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking. One quick,
3: just give one quick add that um, that kind of makes that point a little bit further. So what Maria left out of her explanation of how the cyberhawks did is. The CyberHawks first won the NSA codebreaker challenge in 2019. They won it again in 2020. Now, what what I found really compelling about that is that the team that that did this, created this first victory, they stuck together out of natural affinity. Like they were interested in it, they stuck with it and the team kept growing and kept getting stronger. So if this had just been a flash in the pan of like hey, we came together but we didn't we didn't touch anybody, viscerally into something that they found interesting, then it wouldn't have been a repeat victory. So that's that's one thing that I that I think bodes well for this being, you know, really touching people in a in a visceral way and pulling out something that, that compels them.
2: You know, I always try to relate cyber examples and non cyber daily events in my life and I'm thinking that, you know, I don't like to run, so if I go out there to try to run a mile, as soon as it gets a little bit hard I'm gonna quit, right? Um, but I really enjoy, I don't know, training my dog. So I'm going to stick with it over and over and over and over again until I get it right. Because I'm not just trying to get the goal at the end. I'm enjoying the process.
1: But you still get the same amount of exercise.
2: (laughs) And my dog is not trained. So that was not a, a real example. Um, but is that kind of what, what, what you think might be part of it, Doug, the correlation?
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think so, I think so. Um, Interesting. And what we have found is that it's whether you're just entering the field, whether you know we've we've been able to find people that were going into college as criminal justice majors or psychology majors, um, and completely far flung in inter- you know disciplines, and they found that they're really excited about cyber, and and we're kind of peeling back the curtain on. You know, cyber is a lot of different professions, but it's this core set of problem solving and core set of cognitive activities. And so, there's roles for so many people in the profession beyond, you know, as Maria had been afraid of of, of coding. There's so and you know, there's so many places. But again, Maria now not afraid of coding, and mm-hmm. it turns out she's really good at it. And and things <laughs> like this helped. You know, Maria had to do the work. So I don't want to overstate our role in it. Maria is incredibly capable and really achieved it at a nationally competitive level. And, and it's exciting to Haystack that we were able to help, help, you know, someone that, you know, now a future cyber warrior um, get into the field. And that wouldn't have previously given it a second look.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have some success metrics you had mentioned. Can you tell us what you found out from, you know, doing the, the circle back. And, you know, we took the test and years later, here's what we found out.
3: Absolutely. So as a, when the work was being uh, sponsored by the the various services, you know, the test was shown to be 97 percent effective at predicting who was in, in the Air Force was going to become an elite uh, cyber warfare operator um, in special operations. One of the special operations elements, um, it was, you know, you know, about 80 percent effective at figuring out who was going to. Uh, you know, excel in one of the qualification and, and um, analysis courses. So is that um, transition to the civilian world? Services.
1: Is that transition well to the civilian world? I know kind of in the military, That's, you got a pool of people that are quite a bit the same, and it's, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times it's just like fishing from a puddle. But how is that translated to, you know, non-military?
3: So actually, I, I, you know, not to disagree with the host too strongly, but I'd say, you know, the services, you the the breadth that they were looking at, this was a really big puddle. Um, not a lot of homogeneity in in who they were uh, contemplating for these roles. So, but we we do find that it's been strongly predictive. Um, you know, and Martha's organization has found the same um, in their selection of veterans for for an apprenticeship program. But those, it's a, sele- a selection of veterans that are going to matriculate into commercial roles. So. It's been it's been highly predictive in hacking competitions besides uh, the one that um, Maria mentioned. We've tested it with the University of Virginia, University of Maryland, and a handful of other places, and uh, been able to show, you know, 60, 70-plus percent efficacy in predicting who's going to win the competition. Okay. Um,
1: Interesting. So also you'd mentioned NICE standards. So you map this over to NICE. Can you talk about that and how it would work? For the different areas that that might be less technical, more cross spectrum, just all the different areas that represented there.
3: Yeah, certainly. So, what we just de- again, what we describe is we're looking for your strengths you know, in what we call cognitive, you know, initiation versus responding, and real-time decision making versus exhaustive decision making. And you know, these these uh, detailed description of these are is available. You know, uh, for some other material we could provide, but but what we're um, if you're strong at initiating and strong at real time, th- that would predict the um, offensive operations type roles like penetration testing, uh, operator, um, red teaming. Um, if you are strong at real time decision making and strong at responding, that would be you know, defensive operations like network security, incident handling, security operations center. If you're strong at responding and strong at exhaustive, that would be analysis and forensics, um, threat intelligence, cyber audit and compliance. And if you're strong at initiating and strong at exhaustive, that would be design and development. So that would be, you know, somebody who looks at the enterprise and says, what else should be here to make it more secure? If I if if I added, if I made it 10 feet higher or 10 feet thicker, mm-hmm. it's more secure. So what are the tools that don't exist yet? And they build into that it?
2: So you're talking about having stuff on a, on a quadrant, right? And there's yep. a, a a mark where somebody falls on the quadrant, which will show their strength and weakness in these areas that you just mentioned. Is it is it? And we're used to seeing you know these psychometrics, um, you know, presented in this way. But I'm wondering is is it possible for someone to be strong in both in in two different quadrants?
3: Absolutely, uh, and that you know. As a hiring manager, that would be very exciting because you're you're looking at somebody who's who's cognitively well-rounded, mm-hmm. um, and that would be you know ostensibly someone that you would be looking to for a future you know leadership role. There'll be times there'll be times when you're excited to get someone that's strong at defensive because you've got to fill out your sock, and you've got to get people in, and you're you're extremely excited that mm-hmm. you know because you've got strong defensive um, capabilities. You're going to have a very successful class. How but you? amongst that, you know, some of our clients use, use cata for, um, for their talent planning. And they're like, who, who do I need to be watching and maintaining for future leadership potential? And so when you look at the well-rounded, the people who have strengths across multiple dimensions, that's when you get really excited about, um, you know, growth in other dimensions and able, able to handle a variety of work roles.
1: Have you done any testing with like, Existing professionals that have spent 20 years in a certain area, and test them to see if they align with what the preemptive would
2: be. Do you want to take it? Chris? I would love to take it. <laughs> Chris wants to take and, it, and I, you know, I
3: absolutely will send it to you. And yeah, we we certainly have, um, and we've found that you know it is extremely predictive of how people, even amongst um, you know people that've been in industry 20 years how they're going to do in a handful of other problems So we've run tests alongside other, um, uh, knowledge, uh, tests. Um, and we find that, you know, the results still strongly, strongly predictive in those situations.
2: Um, let me ask you, I'm a big advocate of, um, neurodiversity in cybersecurity, and I especially have, um, you know, a place in my heart for, um, young people on the autistic spectrum. So I used to be an autistic counselor and, you know, my brother is Asperger's. Um, so my, my question is, um, is the test, you know, valid and reliable for um, populations on the spectrum?
3: So the, the, the nice thing about um, our work is that the strength of its foundation in the, the scientific community, um, which I'm, I'm happy to... To explain ad nauseum, but I think most most listeners would have turned off by then. But <laughs> what, but basically, the the underlying tests have been validated in public uh, have been cited in public um, scientific literature more than ten thousand times. Now, why that's germane is because um, it what this allows us to do is look at tests that have been broadly broadly validated and and what we've done is been able to then show how they map these broadly validated tests map into cybersecurity. so we you know the the area of neurodiversity is an area where we agree that you we could probably add new people to the mix Mm -hmm. by by finding them and and ascertaining where where they can be and we we are excited to be a part of initiatives like that um and i know i know those options are out there and and what we're caught we're confident in is that you know this will be able to see who, how do we really lean into that population and what are the best, what are the places where we can, we can utilize their strengths in industry most effectively.
1: Interesting. So this has definitely been a great, great talk here, We're kind of in, and reaching the end of our time wrapping up though, Doug, I wanted to give you the opportunity to say who can reach out to you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, who are you looking for to interface with what customers are, or whatnot? Go ahead and put out anything you would like to get out to our audience.
3: Yeah, no, thank you. So, uh, it's haystacksolutions.com, and you will uh, on there be able to sign up for a you know three free assessments, uh, and I can you know provide uh, Chris the URL. Uh, maybe that could pop that up, um, and anybody would be able to to give it a try. And okay. the you know our our typical audience is is hiring managers um, uh, inside of organizations and um, talent talent planners and people who are doing, uh, you know, upskilling and trying to manage the training program for their cyber organizations.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much for joining today, uh, both Maria and Doug. Uh, This is Chris Gorog.
2: And Martha Loffman.
0: Thanks for everything today. Have a good day. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsor's links